Good morning. I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 today. That's not because you read the headline on that. <laughs> All right. First uh, Peter chapter three. Uh, we are. I'm going to be. <clears throat> I kind of have a two part, two part message that we'll get started here today and finish up, Lord willing, next week. Uh, the The title of the message is "Be a Blessing." Okay, be a blessing. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to go ahead and read the passage, and I would ask you to follow along. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, uh, just so you're aware. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that you, excuse me, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, All of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. 
but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Lord, add the blessing to the reading of his word. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the coolness of this day. After the major heat that we had last Sunday, Lord, this is a refreshing uh, moment for us, and we thank you for it. We ask that you would bring some rain our way and, and refresh the land. Lord, uh, help to, to bring fires under control that many are out fighting and, and concerning themselves on the daily with. Lord, uh, protect those who are out serving. Protect the homes and the livelihoods of those who are in the immediate threat and path of wildfire. Uh, but Lord, above all else, as we are going to hear in today's passage, Lord, thank you for bringing each person here this day that is, that is within earshot of your word today. This is not an easy passage, but Lord, it is in your word and it is profitable for us to receive and to uh, even submit to your word and your truth Lord, even as we wrestle with the application. Lord, we desire to be a blessing. And of course, we desire to be blessed. So help us to, to receive and to walk in obedience to your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Be a blessing. They... One of the key verses that, that really I'm going to point us to today as we're looking at this particular passage, I want to, before we even delve too much into the first several verses, uh, I want to kind of bounce back to, to, to this word that was given in verse 9. So if you, again, if your Bible is open, glance back at verse 9 here momentarily. If you've been with me through this entire book, you'll notice that Peter has a way in his style. He has a way of presenting kind of the to-do list, and then he comes in with the why. He, he, he gives this command and this charge to do these things, and then he comes in with the reasoning behind it. Uh, even last week, uh, as we looked and we sweated out uh, last week's message that was titled Return to Sender, uh, you'll re recall that, that we, the, the passage, which was verses 18 through 25, really went with looking first of all at the what, and then the why. The what is submitting to those who are over us. The why was because when we do so, we are following in the steps of Christ, and then the last thing was the how. How are we to do this? How is this possible? And we came to the final statement, which was that we are returning to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And some of you that were here might recall that, that I brought up this, this reality in, in this world in which the context of this scripture is written. Shepherds, you know, we're all familiar with, you know, Maybe, you know, a, a few psalms, a few things that are readily out there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
you know, about the shepherd leading us. We Maybe we're familiar with the New Testament and we're familiar with one of the great I am statements of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. There's false shepherds out there. There's, there's wolves in sheep's clothing that are meandering about, maybe in our own fellowships at times, in the church. Not maybe, definitely. So it's like in this reality, and, and one, of the, one of the points I brought up to you last week is that the shepherd does not always go easy on the sheep. The shepherd's plan is that the sheep are indeed going to make it to the final place in which the shepherd wants them to be. And we're going to you know, relate to that a bit here today, even in understanding that as Christ laid down his life for the sheep, to put it more in, in, in tune with uh, where we're at today in, in chapter 3, I could say it this way. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He loved the, loved the church and he laid down his life for her, the church. There's so much that is, that is just in these words that are of, of this particular passage that we could spend a whole lot more time in. And I would encourage you even in your own study to, to take even a more methodical approach to some of this. But for sake of where we're at today, this day... In this message, I want you to understand, and I'm going to try to really move through all 12 of these verses in understanding that there is this common theme of being a blessing. That, of course, as followers of Christ, as those who have been called by Christ, we ought to, no matter what your circumstances are, look to be a blessing in this life, this side of eternity. We will inherit a blessing, future tense. It's, it's, it's fixed. If we are in Christ, it is a fixed and it is there. But even as we heard here today, don't return evil for evil, insult for insult. Uh, again, the New King James Version uses the term uh, reviling for reviling. He says, don't do that, but rather blessing. Rather than returning insult for insult, how about insult and turn it around and, and still be a blessing to somebody else? Finally, brethren, verse 8 starts off by saying here. So before I even, again, and before I even delve into the husband and wife situation here, I want to, you know, and again, I know that's, the, that's oftentimes the more sensitive subject area. Uh, you know, you bring up the S word. You know, it's like Submit. And we've been dealing with this S word, submit, for a while now. It's, it's, it's all over in the book. So if, you, if this is your first Sunday here, I would encourage you to go back and, and, and read the entire epistle or read the entire, uh, all of 1 Peter and what has led up to this. But understand that even as we look at today's passage, it is going to start off and it's going to give us the term likewise or in the same manner. Meaning that if you divorce this topic from the rest, you're erring. You, you are making an error in, in interpreting the text. 
Likewise, be submissive. How do you be a blessing when you live in a land in which you don't, by your own judgment, you don't look up to, naturally look up to, naturally want to honor your governor? Naturally not want to honor your mayor, not want to honor the the president, not want to honor the congressional representatives who are over you. How do you do that? Chapter 2 dealt with that. How do you do it? Well, you do it as unto the Lord. You do it as unto the Lord. You realize that in every situation, it's not you and Governor Inslee. It's you and Governor Inslee and Christ in you. And how are you going to manage this? And when it's your when it's your work, remember I, I, I spoke last week and I said, you know, we dealt with this workplace kind of submission, submitting to your boss, submitting to the person that is over you. How do you do that as a Christian? Peter is very interested in that, and so he spends time with that exact point. I want to read to you a verse from, from Jeremiah. Hear this verse. This is Jeremiah eleven twenty. But, O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed, or I have committed my cause. I read that just just the the last few days I've been reading a, a lot in Jeremiah in my own quiet time. In my submission to you, in the fact, remember, again, last week uh, in, in chapter 2, this example has been set for us. Christ submitted himself, not only to the Father, but he, he was living a life of submission, of servanthood. How could he do it? Because he laid the cause. What is the cause? It's his life. He laid his life, his earthly life, there before the feet of, number one, the Father. And he entrusted it to the Father so that he could handle, so that he could glorify the Father, so he could handle every situation in which he dealt with. So how should we handle the government? How should we handle being asked to submit to a master, a, a boss, somebody over you in like manner? As Christ did, so you follow him. Follow him. Abide in him, remain in him, not just when it's easy, not just when you're, there's that blessing again, not just when you're after the blessings, not when you're making the Santa Claus list up for God on a regular basis. Oh, Lord, give me. Oh, Lord, give me. Oh, Lord, bless me. Not just in those moments. I wanted to read to you that verse in in Jeremiah for this reason. I like the fact that even as Jeremiah speaks, and it is, it is truly a, a prophetic word also speaking to what Christ would endure in, in years much ahead, but yet he included this word in that passage, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed or committed my cause. I want to tell you something. It's okay to anticipate I would say it's more than okay. It's proper for you to anticipate if somebody is being abusive to you, if somebody is mismanaging the authority they have over you, 
I don't care if it's the president. I don't care if it's a governor. I don't care if it's a superintendent, a, a manager, a boss, a CEO. I don't care what it is. You can anticipate that God will handle that. That they will be accountable for what they have done or haven't done that they should have. The Lord raises up kings and brings kings down, right? The Lord puts people into this position. Okay, so let's, with all that in mind, let's bring ourselves wholly into this passage. Remember, this has all started, the likewise, in such manner. Remember, this has all started, and I've referenced this verse several times in the last few times I've preached. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, to abstain. Abstain means to stay away from, to, to not give place to. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. And I brought that verse up many times because remember, and I know some of you I'm preaching to the choir here, remember, we often want to wage war against people that are in authority over us. We make it a regular habit. We're waging war against the president. We're waging war against the boss. We're waging war against the person with authority over us. Perhaps, wives, we're waging war against the husband that is in our life. We're waging war against him. Husbands, we're waging war against our wives. We're not submitting and, and placing our needs under hers. We're waging war against her. I'm going to beat her. Not literally. I hope. Although there's some wacko people out there that have, got, that have equipped and, and, and weaponized scripture to do all sorts of atrocities. Amen? I mean, even such things. But I mean, it's like I'm going to, to get my wife to submit. I'm going to hit her and hit her and hit her with the word of God and make her understand, here's your place, woman. In like manner, un, as unto Christ, as unto Christ, as Christ submitted himself, as Christ loved passionately, loved to the end, loved through his bleeding and, his, and, his, and every trial and tribulation that he faced, as Christ loved, so you also love one another. Love your wives. So when we come to this and we're, and we're hearing about, you know, and, and, and again, I want to hammer this point down and probably I've done it, but you want a war? If you want a war, major in warring against the flesh and the things that, that war against your soul. You want to have a habitual war in your life? war with that Peter says I beg you I beg you I think I think Peter begged because Peter experienced it I think he had experienced it every day of his life every day of his life 
you know, the older I get, you know, I bring this up because of marriage, you know, the older I get, the more I realize we don't change much. You know, we just don't change much. You know, I've met people that are much older than me. I've, I've shared this before. I remember, you know, I, I remember, you know, talking in a men's group at one point, and I was probably 22, 23 years old, talking in a men's group, and there was this dude that didn't look like he should still be alive in the group, meaning he was really old, like really old. And I, and I, again, I point blank asked him, when was it, kind sir, when was it that you stopped dealing with these lusts that wage war against your soul? And he said, quickly, I'll let you know when that happens. And it's just like, man, that stinks. You know, I don't like that. But I get it more and more. I get that. I understand it. I've, I've experienced that more and more. That's why I don't care if I'm talking to somebody that's 18 or 16 here or, or 87 here. There's, there's, a, there's a universality, somewhere in there, uh, universality uh, of, of this truth with, when it comes to just dealing with our flesh. And I'll say this as well. I don't care if you're a man or you're a woman. I don't care if you're married or if you're single. I don't care what your status is. And even in a small room like this with not that many people, I can just already sit there and say, you know, we, 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 got, we got the whole gamut. We got it all here. We got people that have, that have been single their whole life and never had a serious relationship. We got people that have had many relationships. We have had people with perhaps what the world would deem or we might deem good marriages. And we have had people that have had bad ones or maybe are in the midst of one. Maybe we're in a situation where the, where the very people we see in the church aren't the people that are at home ever. You know what I'm saying? It's just like me. It's just like how you struggle with your dad or you struggle with your husband or you struggle with your, your, your sibling. Is the person you see here sometimes isn't the person that you see as they walk into your house. Welcome to the flesh. We're living it. It ain't easy. It's a war. And we need Christ. We need Christ always and forever. Remember that a major factor that is being told to us throughout this passage is one that we are supposed to reflect and bring glory, not to ourselves, not to my marriage, but reflect and bring glory to Christ as we entrust fully our whole life to the Lord. Christ said this to us as an example, follow it fully as you also commit all to him who judges all righteously government, workplace, in the home, and in the church. All these things are being spoken between chapter 2 and, and the majority of chapter 3. A Christ-like wife. You have an opportunity to be an amazing blessing if you are a Christ-like wife. Be submissive to her husband. Not to every other husband. Be submissive to her husband. It blesses both the believing husband and the unbelieving husband is what Peter is telling us here. If you are a Christ-like woman, if you enter into your marriage or you become in your marriage a Christ-like 
lady, woman, you have an amazing opportunity to be a blessing to your husband, whether he is a saint or a major ain't. You, you give God the opportunity to bless. Understand that theme here. You don't twist his arm. You don't yell and scream at God. You can lament. You can mourn. You can, I would, again, I was starting to go there. I don't know if I finished that thought. You can even, ladies, if your husband is a jerk, if your husband is a religious guy who is just using his religion and his position and he's using it abusively, in your quiet time and in your prayers before God Almighty, the righteous judge, you can rightfully anticipate the judgment that he will receive for that. Because he will. Some have looked at this and you look at some commentators and some messages and they'll say, well, what's the deal? They give like this much for the wives and then they give this much for the husbands. That ain't right. That ain't fair. But I'm, I'm, I'm coming before you today here and saying, oh, well, number one, oh, well, it's, it's, what, it's the way in which he wrote it. Number two, I'll tell you, there's a lot of other passages in the New Testament and I'll point out a couple, but I'm not going to spend a, an inordinate amount of time on it. But I would submit to you that if you are wrestling with this, that's just fine. Wrestle with it. It's okay to wrestle with it. It's okay to, to not get it right now, perhaps. It's okay. I know some of you are going go to go to extreme examples, and I'm not going to entertain all the extreme examples, but I will say this as a matter of fact. I already alluded to it. Just like the governor, just like the boss, just like the husband, just like the wife, just like the brother. Submit to one another. However, if they are demanding that you disobey God and God's word and God's truth, fear God. Fear God. Even if you got the absolute atrocity of, of an excuse of a man. Fear God. I know that's a hard word, but fear God before everything, before even your own flesh. And there are plenty, again, plenty of places in the scripture where it will give you clarity as to when you can walk away from that, when you can get away from abuse, and when you can do all those things, and that's rightfully so. But understand the point of the primary point of my message here today is that a Christ-like wife is a blessing because she can bless both a believing and an unbelieving husband. When and why? Well, it's when he observes you. The, the scripture says when you're with your chaste conduct, uh, the new, new international version uses the word with your purity. When you conduct yourself as a Christ-like lady, a Christ-like woman, in your marriage or in life in general, you are a major reflection of Christ himself. Purity. And it goes on to say with reverent fear and awe. Not reverent fear and awe of your husband, but reverent fear and awe of Christ. Live as a person that is filled with awe and wonder of God and the Lord. He says, uh, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, 
He says you, they will be won over by your conduct. That's a, I, I know that's a very, to, for some of us, that feels like a very casual thing, but I'll just, I'll just point it out this way. Rarely, rarely does, does it work out well where, a, where a, a wife that is just constantly browbeating her husband with the word of God, sitting him on the couch and saying, now let me give you a piece of my mind and let me tell you, sir, what you're facing because you're not doing your job. That doesn't work out very well. It's not conducive to the blessing in which you might wish for. It says this idea of this uh, quiet, uh, this quiet beauty, and this, and this, uh, you know, this. Uh, with it, it even says, if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. I'll say it this way too. I found that I found that same thing with most most relationships that have conflict. If you find yourself in a relationship with a coworker, you find yourself in a relationship with with a boss, with anybody, generally speaking, me coming in hard and coming with lots and lots of words. Even though in my heart I'm telling myself I mean well and this is proper and good, Rarely does it work out the way I feel it ought to. If I take that same energy and passion, and by the way, it's going to come up in this, I've already read it as I read the, this particular passage. If it's, going to, if it's going to well up with passion, if it's going to well up with rage, if it's going to well up with anger, if it's going to well up in you, ladies or men, or all, all of us, let it, let it, let it find itself in your prayer life. Again, I know as somebody who battles with this issue of prayer, it's like that is such a disarming feeling, is it not? It's like, you know, you mean, you mean my husband is doing these things or acting this way and, and, and I'm supposed to I'm, I'm supposed to submit, I'm supposed to come under his authority and I'm supposed to, to, to act Christ-like to him? That's exactly what Peter is saying. Be a blessing. Change, infuse supernatural Christ-like power. The Holy Spirit infuse that into your relationship and give that a shot rather than your own ability to win a fight or win an argument. Or out-manipulate your spouse. We all have this tendency in our relationships. He goes on again. He, I, I want to touch on a couple other things that are in this passage. He says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Verse 4. I want to say this to you. He says, not merely outward. You know, again, you know, we, there's, there's extremes in all of these things. But, but sometimes, uh, sometimes people make a very obvious choice to, to be very obsessed with their outward appearance. Some women act that way. Some husbands want their wives to act that way. Right? Some 
I would say this wholeheartedly, some in our society, most in our society, our culture at large says to our young ladies, I have three daughters myself, it says to our young ladies, most of who you are that we care about is just what I can get to see on the outside of you. Most of what we really are interested in is just what I get to see. And that should not be the case. It's okay to take care of yourself. This isn't saying that you shouldn't. It's okay to take some time to, to, to see what you look like and to, to care a little bit about your appearance and, and be clean and be calm and, you know, whatever it is. It's okay. But that better not be the only thing you're concerned about is this outward appearance. It says rather... Rather, it's the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I'd add to it this, young ladies, my daughters, you got to take enough time to make sure that any guy that's coming around is interested in more than what he sees. It takes time. It takes time. You got to be patient. Because that guy is wrestling with, with lust and, and his own flesh, and he's going to wrestle with it forever. I already told you that. Sorry. He's going to wrestle with it forever. But wait for a guy that actually sees and values a beauty and a gentleness and a spirit that is inside of you. My wife's not here, so I can, I can pick on my wife. My wife, let me tell you, to me, my wife exemplifies this. You know, I, I, I love my wife. I have not always been the man that I ought to be to my wife. But my wife, the thing that caught my eye with my wife was her, how tall she was. <laughs> you know how many times my wife would say, why did you marry such a short person? Why did you, all these, always these, why did you, why, why? Uh, because I was struck by the beauty, the beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. I saw how she treated people. I saw the way that she loved people that didn't always act lovely to her. It struck me. And I, when I went to leave the island, I thought I would be a fool to let any other man have this in his life when God's brought her and I together from opposite sides of the globe. I'd be a fool. Problem is, in my flesh, I'm a fool. But by the grace of God, God has, uh, God has given me a marriage that I can tell you is, by the grace of God, has been a strong marriage. By the grace of God, God has given me a, a wife who has always honored me 
but you know that that honor, and I'm going to speak very frankly to you right now, I can manipulate that submission and that honor that she gives me. I can manipulate it. In my flesh, I can and I have. Because she, she has looked up to me to be something that I unfortunately haven't always been. The promise I made to her when we said our vows, I haven't always lived up to those vows the way I should. But again, by the grace of God, God has, God has carried us through. And by the grace of God, he will continue to carry us through. He describes Sarah. I could take you. I'll give you the passage. It's Hebrews 11, verses 11 to 12. It'll talk to you about the blessedness of Sarah, Abraham's wife, Sarah, and how she called him Lord. Again, I know that's not generally, my wife has never called me Lord. I can guarantee you that. She said, oh, Lord, you know, help me. <laughs> but she's never called me Lord. Uh, you know, but, but uh, there is a, there is a, practicality to this and I and I could take you to Genesis and I could take you to the fall and I could take you to words that describe this your and 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 Eve your desire will be for your husband there is an authority and there is a place that has been established here and there it is ripe I want to I want to emphasize this it is ripe for contention and hardship the best of marriages is going to be a battle the best of marriages is going to be a battle. 80,000 times more if the husband is refusing to submit to Christ. 80,000 more if the wife is refusing to submit to Christ. It's going to be almost impossible. And husbands likewise dwell with them, that is your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Notice it is expecting husbands to be men of prayer. It is expecting husbands to be leaders. Peter is, through the Holy Spirit here, Peter is telling the men, and I, and I would throw it this way, even the disparity between the, the, the volume that was given to wives and then that was, which was given to husbands. Husbands, it shouldn't even be a question. Be a man. Show self-control. Submit to God. Fear God. Don't lord your authority. Don't lord your position over others. Don't use your strength to intimidate your wife or anybody else in your life. Use it as Christ used his strength. Don't be a predator. Don't manipulate a girl that you know is seeking a man who will love her and look up to her or, or care about her. Don't use anything that you have to take advantage of a woman period dwell with them with understanding understand them understand them and give them honor treat them as precious as valuable remember 
Your sisters in Christ, your wife, she is precious to you or ought to be precious to you as she is to God. You are not property. You are not an object. You are not a toy. You are not something to be dressed up to impress others. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Thrive and abide in Christ. There is a part of me that can be an absolute pig of a man. I can, I can quickly diminish any woman into being just an object. And I have to war against that. Again, I thought it would go away when I became married. I thought it would go away when I became a dad for the first time. It's all going to change. I looked at my daughter. It's all going to change. But that old flesh keeps clawing at you. And suddenly you're, you're like men are really good at doing. Suddenly you're categorizing everything. And all of a sudden, don't look at my daughter that way while I look at yours that way. Don't look at my wife that way while I look at your wife that way. Made to be an object and a toy. You want to talk about judgment, men? You will answer. I will answer. Men, do business. Do business with the flesh. War against the flesh. So that you can look into the eyes of your wife with integrity. So that you can make a promise to your wife and mean it. So you can, therefore, because remember, it comes around... Because when you don't, you end up, even if you try to avoid it, you end up eventually looking at yourself in a mirror. And I promise you, and I will testify to you, that if you do not keep your promises, and if you do not hold your position as a man before, fearfully before a God who says, I will judge and I will hold you accountable for, for your life, if you do not, I guarantee you this, when you look into that mirror, when you look into the mirror of God's word, you will find yourself standing condemned. And, you will, and, the, and Satan will take that and he will grind your face to a point where you literally despise your own flesh, not in a good way. Not in handing it over to God, but despise yourself in such a way that you no longer believe you are accountable to anybody or anything. You will despise your own self. Throw up, throw up your hands. I give up. I can't do it. It ain't possible. Guess what? You're right. But Christ has called you to something better. Christ has called me to something better. I've said it, and it's, to me, it's just something I'm going to be on here for a while now. I think it is such a practical statement of, of the validity of the Word of God and the validity of my faith. When I'm in the word of God, it makes me exponentially a better husband. When I am in the word of God, it makes me exponentially a better father. It makes me a better everything. And my goal in life is not just to be better than you. My goal in life is not just to be better than yesterday. My goal in life is to look to Christ, the author and finisher of my faith, and to carry on and to stand up and to be a man. And not to be a person with petty, ridiculous excuses. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be flawed. But I am. But when I am weak, Christ is made strong in me. 
Anything I have ever done that is good, anything I have ever done that is admirable, anything that I have ever done that has been of quality, guess what? It's not of my flesh. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. And so, he, and so he says here, as you come and as you be that man, a Christ-like husband, a blessing, understand that you have an opportunity to honor, to nurture, to build up your wife in a powerful way, just as Christ did the church. Ephesians, this is another great passage that corresponds well. Ephesians chapter 5, specifically Ephesians 5, 25 to 29. It says that the way Christ loved the church is Christ gave himself up for her, but also it says making her holy, cleansed by the word, giving her priority over himself. He did not count his life something to be held on to. I'm willing to lay down my life for my wife. Lord, protect us from the manipulations of relationships. I do it with guy friends of mine i do it with family friends family relationships i have a tendency to do it in my marriage i have a tendency to do it with my kids don't you hate manipulation i don't want it in my life i want authentic i want my life to be i want my daughters to be able to say my dad has been a blessing in my life i want my wife to say you know what josh has been a blessing to my life and I want you as brothers and sisters in Christ, look at finally all of you of, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil. You know what? People in the church will say bad things about you. How do you return it? With a blessing. Brutally hard. Brutally difficult. Easier to run away and just live life out there and Say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I just don't darken the door of the church. As Christ loved the church, laid down his life for the church. How can we abandon the church of Jesus Christ and feel like we are walking and abiding in him? With all of its flaws... Just like every marriage that we can find, all of the flaws, all the, all the flesh struggles that we have, the church is desperately in need of submitting to one another in fear of God Almighty. Blessing to, to this you were called. Our inheritance is from the God Almighty himself, and it's an undeserved blessing. I'm going to close with verses 10 through 12, and I'm just going to read it only to you. For he who would love life, or she who would love life, either way, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Heavenly Father, keep us from evil. 
keep us from giving evil a foothold in our marriages, in our relationships in this church. Lord, we want to be a blessing to one another, and we want to be a blessing more than anything, Lord, to you. Be glorified. Lord, we want to have strong marriages. Lord, we want to have strong relationships. We want to have relationships that stand the test of the word of God and that we will not have to be ashamed of when we stand before you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your your power and your strength that you offer to us to make the impossible possible as Christ is found in us, our hope and our glory. And all God's people said, amen. Please turn the lights off, please.